if you knew this, but it is impossible to walk a straight line, uh, walk in a straight line if you're blindfolded, if you, if you are not able to see anything. I don't mean cheating. I don't mean kind of peeking out of the bottom of the blindfold. I mean, if you're completely blindfolded uh, in, in, in darkness, you cannot walk in a straight line. You end up walking in circles. You walk in all these strange directions. You're convinced you're walking straight, but you're not. If you don't believe me, this Christmas when you have friends and family over, say, hey, let's go out to a big field and see who can walk in a straight line and then laugh your full head off at them, you know, and if you really mean, do it by the highway. And uh... <laughs> now why do I say that? Because to appreciate and fully understand what the coming of Jesus meant uh, when we celebrate Christmas, the Advent, the coming of Jesus, we have to understand that the world at that time was a dark place. The world before Jesus came was a dark place. The world, indeed, when Jesus was born was a dark place. And in many ways, the world today is still a dark place. And the reason it's a dark place is because of a thing called sin. The ways that we live for ourselves, we strive and grab for what we want, regardless of who we hurt, uh, irrelevant of what um, damage that we cause. We're selfish. We're self-centered. We are divisive. We're sometimes angry. We look at people based on um, their gender or based on their race, and we think different of them based on their uh, socioeconomic status. There are people who hate anyone who's rich, and there's people who despise those who are poor, and everything in between, and it's the result of sin. Now, sin came into the world, and as a result, darkness flooded in um, at the beginning of human history when Adam and Eve sinned. They violated God's commandment. God said, you can do anything that you want, but you can't do this one thing, and they did that one thing. They rebelled against God, and as a result, darkness flooded in to the earth. Now, here's the thing. The darkness that flooded in wasn't just because they failed to reflect God's holiness. Because they failed to reflect God's holiness, the darkness that came in also impacted every aspect of their life, the way re they related to each other, the way they related to God, and the way they related to the created world, right? They sin. They do this thing that God says they're not supposed to do. The Lord shows up. He's walking in the garden. He's looking for Adam and Eve. He says, where are you, Adam? I'm, I'm wondering where, why you're hiding from me. Did you do something you weren't supposed to do? God knew. He was just kind of wondering what the deal was. He's wanting Adam to take some ownership of it, some responsibility. And what does Adam do? Um, God, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. As a matter of fact, it's the woman. It's the woman's fault. She's the one. And then you can read into it deeper. He goes, it's the woman you gave me. So God, it wasn't me. I am not responsible for this. At the very least, it's her fault. But probably really, God, it's your fault. Everything was fine until she showed up. And then Eve says, whoa, 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 big boy. Big boy, big boy, it's not my fault. You should have protected me. You should have guided me. You should have explained this to me. God told you all these rules. He didn't tell me the rules. And it's not my fault that you don't know how to communicate. If you would have communicated better, this wouldn't have happened. But if it's not your fault, then it was certainly the creation's fault. This is serpent's fault because the serpent tricked me. And so all of a sudden, there's division and there's discord between husband and wife, between uh, humanity and the created order between people and their God. And what happens next? After God deals with their sin, 
He says, this is going to be the result of it. What do we see? Brother kills brother, friend kills friend, rape, war, famine, slavery, sexual perversion, child sacrifices, idol worship have all resulted. The darkness that came in has only grown darker and darker and darker. And so this darkness that's pervasive, we have to understand that there was a darkness before Christmas. Before Jesus showed up, there was a darkness. And it's that darkness that the prophet Isaiah speaks to some number of years, centuries before Jesus comes. This is what he writes in Isaiah 30. He says, look, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the people. So what Isaiah is saying is, listen, uh, it's been almost 3,000 years since Adam and Eve allowed this darkness to come flooding in to humanity, into the earth. And it's covering everybody. Sure, over the last 3,000 years, there's been some glimmers of goodness and light here and there. But for the most part, it's just grown darker and darker and darker. People are stumbling along in futility and things are getting worse. Now, he's, Isaiah is called as a prophet by God to speak specifically to the people of Israel. So he's saying to them, listen, for 3,000 years, things have gotten darker. But you're God's chosen people. He chose you out of all the people. He gave you the law. And because of that, you were intended to be a light in the darkness. But you're not living as a light in the darkness. Really, what you're doing is you're making the darkness worse. Because you know how God asks you to live, and you refuse to live like that. You're living in continual sin and idolatry, worshiping false gods, doing all kinds of things, uh, sexual debauchery, all this kind of stuff. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. And as a result, if you think it's dark now, darkness is going to come. And so at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, he says, I am going, God says, I'm going to send the Assyrian empire to conquer you, to take control of you and to send you into exile. And so things are dark now and things are going to get really dark. But God is not a God of hopelessness. God is a God of hope. God is always a God of hope. So when no matter how dark it gets, no matter how dark it seems, God says there's going to be a moment where hope will burst forth. And this is what he says in the next part of Isaiah 60. But the Lord will dawn upon you. He will rise like a light in the morning and his glory will be seen over you. Nations will walk to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In other words, yes, things are dark. Yes, things are bad, but don't think it's over. Listen to me. This is what we need to remember. There will be a light that shines in the darkness. Hope is not lost. That was God's promise then. It's God's promise now. Things may seem dark. Things may seem desperate, but hope is not lost. So fast forward to the New Testament, the time when Jesus was born. So now it's been centuries since Isaiah wrote these words, and things haven't gotten better. The darkness is still there. The darkness it's still pervasive. The darkness maybe even has grown. Sure, there were some glimmers of light. There were the prophets. There was uh, the, the promise that God would bring the people back to the promised land, the, is, the people of Israel back to the promised land, and indeed they came back after 40 years of being in exile. There was a glimmer of hope. There's a glimmer of hope when they rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. There's a glimmer of hope when the temple is rebuilt. But for the most part, things have gotten darker and darker and darker because God sent the Assyrians, but it didn't end with the Assyrians. See, the Assyrians were replaced 
by the Babylonians, the Babylonians by the Persians, the Persians by the Greeks, and now the Roman Empire is on the scene. And so for all these centuries, one empire after the other has held the people of Israel and the nation of Israel in, uh, in bondage. It's, a, it's foreign occupied land for centuries. On top of that, the leaders that the people of Israel have aren't um, stellar. So at the time of the New Testament, when Jesus is born, the figurehead leader, the king of Israel that is set in place by Caesar is a man named Herod. Herod is a dark, dark, dark man. You can read about his life. He's the one responsible for the, uh, the slaughter of the innocents that we read in the Bible after Jesus is born. The, uh, the Magi come and they inquire about where he was supposed to be born. And Herod says, hey, let me know where he was born and, and I want to pay him a visit. And he finds out that uh, it was supposed to be in Bethlehem. And that it was for three years that the, the Magi saw the star. And so he has every male boy three years and under murdered. As a matter of fact, it's Caesar, it's, it was recorded that Caesar said of Herod, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. Now, you know why? Because if he felt threatened, if his political power felt threatened by you, even if you were his, his child, he would kill you. He wouldn't think twice about it. But as a good Jew, he would have pigs. Wait, Jews aren't supposed to have pigs. So that tells you the level of depravity and darkness. So there's political darkness at this time. But there's also spiritual darkness. See, the spiritual leaders at that time had reduced the following of God, Jehovah, from wanting to live in a way that pleases God to a strict list of rules and regulations. Went far beyond the laws that God gave Moses and Mount Sinai thousands of years earlier. No, no, no. They had add rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. And they set it up in such a way that people weren't living out of a desire to please God. They were living out of a fear of being caught by people. See, the religious leaders set it up. They said, if you don't follow these rules and we find out, we're going to drag you out in public and publicly use you as an example to dissuade anybody else from ever breaking the rules. And to help us do this, if you see someone breaking the rules and you come report it to us, we're going to reward you. We'll give you a slap on the back, boy, and we will give you some financial um, help. So all of a sudden, people are not living out of a joy of serving God. It is a strict, legalistic mindset. So they're under political oppression, they're under spiritual oppression, and as a result, there is no sense of relational love and joy and community. People aren't helping one another, they're not looking out for one another, they're not caring for one another, they're looking at suspicion at one another. Is this person trying to trick me? Are they out to get me? It's why so many of Jesus' stories are so powerful, because it flies in the face of what had been established. Here's this woman caught in adultery. Jesus says, well, we're not going to use her as a prop, as an example, as public ridicule. We're going to pour grace and love and mercy and forgiveness onto her. But that's not the way that the culture and the society was oriented. It was a dark place. Is it any wonder why, Adam, why Mary and Joseph, in coming to Bethlehem, knock on the doors? She's pregnant. She's Nine, almost a full term, 40 weeks pregnant. Nine months, almost 40 weeks full term, ready to have a baby. 
And they knock on door after door saying, can you make space for us? And each door says, nope, 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 nope. It's not just because they were mean people. It's because they said this couple is purported to have had sexual relations outside of marriage. That's why she's pregnant. If we let them stay in our house, they may drag us into the streets and use us as an example. We don't want anything to do with that. There's no care. There's no compassion. There's no love. It's this dark place, but hope was not lost. Indeed, hope was about to arrive, but it's into that darkness that Jesus is born. This is what it says of Jesus in John chapter 1. In him, this is speaking of Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, up until then, there's glimmers of light here, moments of light there, a prophet, a saint, a judge, someone that God would use and people would say, oh, there's hope, but it was quickly snuffed out. But Jesus says, I've come as a light that the darkness will not overcome. No matter how dark it is, no matter how dark it gets, it doesn't matter. The darkness will never overcome my light. Jesus came to be an everlasting light in the darkness, a lasting light that no matter what happens, no matter the level of depravity, no matter how hard things get, I will keep shining. And you can hold on to that promise. So if you think about the world back in Isaiah's time, if you think about the world at Jesus' time, and you think about the world today, they're all kind of dark places because the world today is still a pretty dark place. I mean, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And that's great, but if you look at human history for the last 2,000 years, there's a whole lot of darkness. And if you look at our world today, there's a whole lot of darkness. I mean, you could just think in terms of, of uh, relational darkness, right? Relational darkness. The whole idea that, um, you know, in our relationships, we're not loving, we're not supportive, we're not committed. No, there's, there's tension, there's arguing, there's unfaithfulness, there's... Um, control, there's manipulation, there's divisiveness. You, you look at relationships, you look at uh, husband to wife, parent to child, there's all kind of dysfunction. I mean, I know parents, and it breaks my heart, I know parents who haven't spoken to their children or children who haven't spoken to their parents. All depends who you talk to and who's to blame, but it doesn't matter. Here's the sad reality. I know parent-child relationships who haven't spoken for years, decades, because there's relational darkness. I know marriages that have been torn apart because of the relational darkness. I know friends that have separated, never to talk again because of relational darkness. There's also emotional darkness. Think about our world today. Right? We've got so much just hurt. When you're in the dark, you feel alone and you feel isolated, and it leads to emotional darkness. Separation, anxiety, depression, fear. How do we cope with that? All kind of ways. Most of them aren't healthy. Drugs, alcohol, uh, pornography, 
overeating, overworking, pursuing success, thinking that will somehow assuage our emotional dysfunction. Somehow, if I can get a big enough bank account, stock portfolio, whatever it is, if I can reach some level of success, I can be emotionally stable. If I can go on that vacation, buy that house, get that car. We chase after all these things because there's emotional darkness inside of us. And then there's spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. Listen, you can look at the false religions out there, Hinduism, Buddhism, New Age mysticism, um, astrology, uh, looking at horoscopes and, and trying to do fortune telling, all those kind of things. But there's also spiritual darkness within our lives if we were followers of Christ. So many of us, like the Jewish leaders at Jesus' time, have reduced Christianity to a strict set of rules. Do this, don't do that, say this, don't say that, go here, don't go there. If you do all these things, look, you'll be a good Christian. The problem is we know all the things to do. We, all, we know all the things not to do. We know all about what God wants for us. The problem is we don't know God. We're not intimately in a relationship with him that makes it a joy to live for him. It becomes a stringent set of rules. And it's any wonder that you know, kids that grow up in the church and in Christian families when all of a sudden they get into their 20s and 30s, go, I don't want anything to do with this because this isn't life and light and joy. This is drudgery and work and just labor. That's not what the Christian life was meant to be, but we lack the light of life. And here's the thing that I found. When that happens, we end up finding um, ourselves pointing the finger of blame at everyone else. When we are living in darkness in our relationships, emotionally, spiritually, what we do is we want to blame anyone and everything else. Who turned out the lights? Who did this? Because it wasn't me. I'm not, we're no different than Adam and Eve. I, it's not my fault. It's what someone did to me. It's how they treated me. It's what happened when I was three. It's what happened when I was 12. It's what happened when I was 33 that has made my life in this place so dark. Listen to me. Please hear me. Please hear my heart as your pastor. If something happened to you at 3, 13, or 33, I'm not excusing that. Some of the darkness in your life absolutely is a result of what other people have done. I don't doubt that. I know that. I have counseled with people whose spouses have gone just off the rails. Their spouse just loses their mind, and it brings in all kind of darkness into someone's life. That happens. But listen to me. You also have a responsibility and the darkness in your life is also a result of things you do. Your unkind words, your actions, your behaviors, your addictions, your meanness, your control, your manipulation, the way in which you lie, you steal, you put on a false front. We all have a responsibility for the darkness in us, but we want to point the finger at other people because it's easier to see the darkness in someone else than it is to see the darkness in ourselves. And so what happens is we end up living perpetually in this darkness. And what I've learned is this, that walking in darkness always, 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 always. Someone say always. Oh, thank you. It always brings danger. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I know I have. The power goes out. It's like the middle of the night, two in the morning. All the lights are gone. Street lights, lights in your home, power's out. There's no stars in the sky, it seems. There's no moon. It's over. It's dark. It's cloudy. Your shades are closed. And you wake up, and it feels like it's pitch black. And so you stumble out of bed trying to figure out what happened. And what do you do? 
Oh, you introduce your pinky toe to the corner of the dresser. And you realize you're not quite as sanctified as you thought you were. I mean, there, there's some, ooh, to my dad, uchi mama. I don't know what that meant, but I still use it. Uchi mama. I figure it's a sanctified curse. Um, but, but, right, we stumble around. See, when you walk in darkness, there's always danger. Right? You walk, you can walk into a wall, you can stumble down the stairs, you can break something, you could hurt yourself. If someone's standing around and you don't see them, you can hurt them. That's in the physical, but it's the same in our lives. It's, our same, it's the same with our relationships, it's the same with our emotions, it's the same spiritually. When we stumble around in the darkness, we hurt ourselves, we damage things, we break things, and we hurt other people. It always brings the potential for disaster. The problem is we're walking in darkness and we don't recognize it. We get comfortable with the darkness and so we keep going. We plunge ahead and we just go farther and farther and farther into the darkness. Here's what Isaiah wrote. He said, for those who lead these people are leading them from the right way and those who are led by them are going the wrong way. So what he's saying is this. Everyone is living in darkness, right? He says the whole world's covered in darkness. The people are in darkness. Everyone is trying their best. Everyone is trying their best to get out of the darkness. But if you try by human effort, you're going to be led. Human effort will lead you the wrong way, and human effort will lead you off the right way because we can never figure it out. It's not that people are insincere. They're sincerely wrong. It's not, listen, I hear people if you're one of them, please hear me. Stop. There's not some great grand conspiracy. Stop with the conspiracy theories that someone's trying to. Most people are sincere in their effort. The problem is they're basing it on their effort. And so they're ending up going in the wrong direction. But it's not because they don't care and they're not trying. They're just going the wrong way. See, following human effort will only ever lead you further into darkness. But it's not that you're trying to be intentional in leading people into darkness. You're just saying, let's go this way. This seems good. It seems right. I don't know where I'm going. It's pitch black. But just follow me. This is going to work. These people happen to stumble on the right way, but they didn't know they were on the right way either. So we end up going off into the darkness. So what does this look like? It, it looks like the fact that we have to say, I'm not going to point the finger at everyone else. Say it's their fault. It's saying... We're operating from darkness, and in darkness, we can never find the light. We have to allow the light to shine. So let me explain this to you. So if we look at our world and say, here's the problem. The problem is a lack of education, right? There, there's just not an educa there's not a solid education in the world. If people had education, we wouldn't have the problems we have. Well, that may be true. The problem is if we intend to or a, 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 a attempt to solve the problem of a lack of education based on human ideals and ideologies instead of the truth of God and who he is, our foundation is bad and our assumptions are wrong. In other words, we're writing the curriculum in the dark. And if we write the curriculum in the dark, it's never going to lead us into the light. It doesn't mean we don't need education, and it doesn't mean the people who are attempting to educate are bad and evil. They're just going in the wrong direction. So let's say the problem is um, poverty. 
We say, listen, there, there's poverty. Poverty is a terrible thing. I don't know anybody who says, I think poor people should just stay poor. If that's you, let's talk because you, you have a heart issue. Right? Most of us say, man, if, if people are in poverty, we want to see them get out of poverty. But if we attempt to solve the poverty issue by human ideals and human ideologies, we might come up with something that says, let's work with the forced redistribution of wealth. And the problem is we can take all the money from everybody and try and pass it out and say those who have a lot should all have the same as everyone else. And so we'll take those who have a lot and give it to those who have little. We'll all have the same. But you know, in culture and culture, country and country, and society after society that has tried that, all it's done is made poverty worse, not better. Because it's based on human ideologies and human ideals and not the truth of God's word. In other words, it's based on taking, not giving. Right? They're taking you're not giving. It's one thing to say, I am sacrificially giving. I have excess and I want to give it. That's a choice. When they take it from you, it's called theft or taxes. It's the same thing. Both start with T. No. Uh, no, the, the point is, if we try and solve the problems that we encounter based on human effort, it's only going to ever lead us into a worse place, not a better place. And what happens is we just keep going, right? We're walking along in the dark. We fall into a ditch. We get up. We dust ourselves off, and we keep going until we fall off the cliff. And we say, well, let's try again. So you look at a culture or society who has tried something and it didn't work. We say, it's not that the idea was bad. It was the execution was wrong. We'll get it right this time. I mean, they tried that then in that country with that leadership, but they just didn't know what we know. No, they were in the same dark place as you are. And we're all in that same dark place. So we have to get to the point where we try, stop trying to fix things by human effort. It will only lead us further into the dark. And this world is a dark place. It's so dark. That's why, why do you think we keep seeing an increase in mass shootings, in murders, in, in, in the devaluing of life? It's because this world is a dark place. The world is a dark place. That's why we see an increase in the whole idea of um, the, my feelings are the highest reality. That you should do what you love. Well, do what you love. I mean, that can mean anything, but we just keep plunging headlong into darkness. It's why we don't understand right from wrong, good from evil. We just keep pressing forward, trying to solve these problems with human effort, and it causes confusion. Why do you think we're so confused about what gender is? Why we're so confused about the value of life? Why we're so confused about right and wrong, good and evil? It's because this world is a dark, dark place. And at some point, we have to realize the answer isn't human effort. The answer is the light of the world. If the answer is Jesus. And so what happens is the world just perpetuates this darkness. And then when the light begins to shine, those in the darkness, we're going to talk more about this next week, but those in the darkness don't like it. Right? All of us, I mean, your eyes get accustomed to the darkness and a light shines and it hurts. And we say, I don't like that. If you just stop, if you just get on board, if you just support, if you would stop pushing your ideology is on us. And the, those in the dark get mad at those who are bringing the light because we're confused. This is what, again, it says in Isaiah. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe to those who say light is bad and dark is good. 
But that's what happens if we don't live in the light of Jesus. So what we need to learn is this. Without the light of Christ, you and I are left living in darkness. Without the light of Jesus, we're stuck in this place of darkness. And there is nothing we can do, no effort we can take that's going to find our way out of it. We might stumble onto a little glimmer of hope here and there, but in the end, we just keep going down into the darkness and addictions increase and overdoses increase and marital strife increases and relational tensions increase and political darkness increases and spiritual darkness increases because the only light that's really going to last and bring substantive change is the light of Jesus. So this is what Isaiah said. He said, the people who were walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those, on the people who were living in that land of deep, deep darkness, on them, a light has dawned. And then we saw it earlier. It goes on. He says, what is this light that's dawning? What is this light that's shining? Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. That is the light that there's going to be a baby born, placed in a manger. And when that light comes, the hope of the world will be born. Because he's not just a baby born of a virgin. He is God in the flesh. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when his light shines, it will never be overcome. This is what Jesus said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me, Pastor Aaron talked about this last week, the call to follow him wherever he leads. If you want to walk in the light, it means you have to follow him. See, there are a lot of Christians who say, I'm in the light, but they're not following him. You're not walking in the light. You're walking maybe in the darkness, probably in the shadows. You know, that, that dusk kind of place. I can see a little bit, but I just kind of keep stumbling and bumbling. Jesus says, I want you to walk in the light, and it means that you have to follow me with everything in you. See, the world is a dark place, but you do not need to walk in darkness. The world is a dark place, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and his light started to shine in the darkness and his light is still shining in the darkness today, driving it out because the darkness, he said, won't overcome. It will not, won't overcome my light. And so Jesus came and his light was meant to shine into your life. And as we're gonna talk about next week, his light then is meant to shine through your life. We are meant to be those who light up the world around us our homes, our offices, our neighborhoods, the businesses we frequent, the teams that we play on, the classrooms that we sit in. We are meant to be light, but if there is darkness in us, then our light isn't gonna shine the way God intended for it to shine. But you do not need to walk in darkness. See, human effort will never dispel the darkness. Working together for a better tomorrow is great. We ought to work together for a better tomorrow. The problem is working together for a better tomorrow will never dispel the darkness because working together for a better tomorrow will never change a human heart. Saying let's just be kind and loving and accepting of everyone is a wonderful ideal. The problem is 
being accepting and kind and generous to everyone will never dispel the darkness because it doesn't change the human heart. The only thing that's going to change the human heart is when the light of Jesus shines into that life and they accept the light of life. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and he says, I'm going to make you a new creation. Old things are going to be gone. New things are going to come. You're going to be different. You're going to be changed. And then here's the key. As you're different and as you're changed, keep letting that light shine in your life into the dark places because we all have those dark places, don't we? Oh, those things that we say, I don't even want to admit that I did. I hope nobody knows. I don't even want to admit it to myself. The stuff I look at, the things I think, the way I live, the way I orient my life, the way I'm dri driven for material success, the lustful thoughts, the hateful thoughts. If I could get away with it, I would, but I can't, so I won't, but I'll, nobody will ever know, and they'll think I'm a good Christian. And Jesus says, see that dark little place right there? I want to shine my light there. Stop worrying about driving out the darkness in the world. Let me drive out the darkness in your life. And as a result, you will shine in such a way that all of a sudden, your light will make a difference. You want to know if you have a dark place in your life? Think about your response to someone. If, um, if you're a social media person, if you're not, you know, what you would say. Somebody, if it wouldn't, you know, you just unload on someone. I can't believe you would. The problem in the world is... Democrats, the progressives, the liberals. You start thinking that. Maybe you need to say, where's the darkness in my heart? Where's the darkness in my life? Because if anyone had a right to be frustrated with the injustice in the world, with the state of the world, it would have been Jesus. I mean, he was God. But he didn't come down and start just yelling and screaming at people. He knelt down and said, let me wash your feet. And he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He said, listen, I know that you've been with all kinds of people and you've acted all kinds of ways, but let me tell you about me. Jesus said, I know that you're crippled and sick and you're diseased and everybody thinks it's something you've done, but I'm not saying you just need to have a positive confession. You need to admit all your sins and then you'll be healed. He just said, listen, I forgive you. I forgive you. Now be whole, be healed, be different, be changed. Jesus didn't come around beating people up. But when we have darkness in our heart, that will be the way we orient ourselves. We need to look so different from the darkness in the world that there is no way that the darkness can drive it out. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now, would you begin to show us in our own lives where it is that we need to change, where it is that there's darkness inside of us because this world is a dark place, but we're meant to be shining lights, but we can't shine the way we're called to shine until we deal with our own darkness. So God, I'm asking right now, would you shine that light? The things we look at, the thoughts in our mind, the times, God, I know for me, the times I'm not kind to my wife, the, kinds, the times I don't sacrifice for my children, times I want to spend the resources that you've entrusted to me for me, on me. I'd rather have bigger, better, more, nicer because I've earned it. Instead of saying, I'm not taking any of this with me. I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. God, you bless us and, and I'm so thankful for that. But help us. Help us to orient our lives in such a way that it reflects who you are. So God, shine that light right now. 
reveal those things. This is not an easy thing, but God, oh, when that happens, the darkness cannot overcome it. So as you begin to think about those areas in your life, just say, I'm not gonna point the finger of blame at anybody. I own this stuff. And then realize, as you live your life, you're called to be a light in the darkness. You don't need to walk in darkness. You can walk in the light. I'm gonna ask if you'd stand with me right where you are. We're gonna sing a song. Here's what I'm gonna invite you to do as we sing this song. Just identify those areas where maybe you're living in darkness. There's no hope. There's no light. There's a dark place in your heart. And as we sing this song, just cry out to God. God, remove the darkness. Shine your light. Shine your light. Shine your light. If you'd like someone to pray with you, there'll be prayer teams up here. But just let this song minister to you. Let him, let Jesus be the King of kings and the Lord of lords in your life.